But you know, we have on our song list uh, a, story, a, a title called Fairmont. I don't know if you remember this, Vanessa, but when mm-hmm. the, San, the San Francisco earthquake happened, one of the only buildings that survived was the Fairmont Hotel. And a guy staying there was like the most famous opera singer in the world. And so he spent the weeks after that earthquake walking around the destructed city singing to people. And he was a big part of how San Francisco got through that terrible earthquake. So we haven't written that song yet, but it just reminds me how people do look toward musicians. But as the musician, it's difficult to not feel a little selfish thinking about you know, my music career in the middle of all this. So. Welcome to the Lone Star Play podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Well, thanks guys for, for joining. I'm super excited um, to, to talk some, some music, Texas, you know, some different stuff. Um, was really, you know, lo- looking into you guys a little bit more, was really struck by the name, first off, just love, you know, so I kind of wanted to start there of where y'all got that name from. And yeah, I, I just love it. It's super cool. Thank you. Vanessa, you want to tell them? Where the name came from. So, I mean, basically the name came from an old typewriter. It's kind of where we where the name derived from. Um, I collect typewriters. I have a ton of them. I have probably almost 20 at the moment. Um, and all beautiful. Most of them are pre-1950s. Um, I really like that iron kind of look to it. So anyways, Granville Automatic was a late, uh, I guess, a typewriter from the late 1800s. And it was a, a huge failure, unfortunately. So hopefully our band will not be the same. I also read like it was about you know, because y'all were going to tell sort of, or do songs about history, right? So I liked that there was this, right, this sort of antique way of, you know, that we used to type. And, um, well, I guess even back then, that was a big deal to have a typewriter, right? I guess at that. Yeah. Right. That, that's yeah, it's like an expensive piece of equipment, like a computer is now, you know, okay. very simple, like a luxury. That makes sense. So Mm -hmm. what was the choice behind, I just found this very fascinating, this whole idea of, okay, we're going to do songs about history and tell these stories. And I'd never really heard of a project sort of that directly aimed like that. I I love it. It's it's cool. The band kind of started um, as a means for and a medium for both of us to uh, sort of be able to better mold our love of storytelling. Uh, We're both storytellers by nature. Um, We wanted an avenue to be able to do that. So really it started off as just a storytelling band, whether that be fact or fiction. Um, And then one day we were rolling along in the car and I sort of mentioned to Elkins, I said, you know, you love history. Why don't we do an an entire album about war? Like, why don't, why don't we just like write some songs about history? And, um, and so then that's kind of how it started. But half of the first album isn't necessarily based in history. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of unexpected. We loved we loved the storytelling part and the first record had a couple, you know, we like to just inhabit other people's viewpoints. It kind of got we both had plenty of projects before 
Uh, I've been in a punk rock band where you're kind of rewriting the same perspective over and over again. And so it opened up just ideas for us as songwriters and it morphed into, you know, writing kind of projects that were based on themes from history or based on the lost part of a city. You know, we actually have a whole Texas record written that we haven't recorded yet. <laughs> um, so it really just became a way to expand our way of thinking as writers. And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, other artists, I think, dabble in it a little bit too. But it's, it's opened up a lot of, a lot of, I think, perspective for us. And we just keep learning more about the places we're in and the places we travel to. That's awesome. Wow, that's great. And it gives you, you know, inspirations for songs, because I know that probably, you know, trying to find new, you know, new reasons to write songs can be difficult sometimes, Look, you know, looking for things or whatever. Uh, so that's got to be good, right? Sort of helps narrow it down. Of You basically just have to ruin your relationship every three or four years to get material to write about and then <laughs> fall in love again, write about that breakup. It's a problem. <laughs> so history helps you stay out of that pattern although you'll see it's exactly the same pattern in history so <laughs> history repeats itself right it does here we are again yeah. yeah boy that's so crazy yeah that's absolutely true almost literally a hundred years uh, absolutely which is crazy <laughs> um so what's this new i i mean i don't want to jump around but it's a podcast is what we do there's no real structure to this but yeah right. you mentioned that this album they haven't done what does that mean like songs about texas history yeah we yeah we started um we started writing that years and years ago we have a song called gosh i don't remember what song it started with it may have started with a song that's actually on our live from sun studio record called uh green green green, green music hall which was just sort of a not intended to be a history song but it was just a song about how just the feeling Texas gives you. And then over the years we started writing more and then we ended up with this uh, song, You Can Go to Hell, I'm Going to Texas. Obviously the, the famous uh, Davy Crockett quote became one of our most popular songs. And then we've just, we've assembled probably 10 or 11 songs and we have a few more to write uh, for a record. I think it'll be called Dancing in El Mercado, um, which ties into Vanessa, you can jump in here. She grew up, uh, born in Houston, but grew up in, spending a lot of summers in San Antonio. Yeah, with my grandparents, and we always went to El Mercado to go dancing, and I would dance with my grandpa all the time. So it was a fond memory for me, and I want to honor that. So, so El Mercado, what what is it? A dance hall, or, or are you talking about? It's the Market Square in San Antonio, and probably my favorite place to go. It's um, where one of my favorite restaurants is, which we will discuss later, um, and uh, just. A beautiful spot. There's like a, um, a Mexican market, flea market kind of situation where there's a lot of people with rings and you know woodworkings and different little like paper crowns with flowers, things like that. Yeah. So and then there's a Mexican art museum as well. So it's a pretty cool area. A couple restaurants. I can yeah. get back to San Antonio. I, I I just feel like I haven't been back. To, honestly, I haven't been back to San Antonio in. This is embarrassing. Like twenty years. I live in Austin right now. So this shame, shame, shame. Yeah. Isn't that it's crazy that two cities that are, you know, without traffic an hour apart can be so different. I think I took somebody to the airport a few years ago, just dropped them off. That's it. Like I I that's so cra so crazy. Shame on you. Look, to my defense, the last, uh, you know, five or six years, I was running a food truck and catering business here in Austin. You don't have time for nothing. 
Right. <laughs> Plus, who wants to sit on I-35 for three hours? Let's okay. be honest. No way. <laughs> 35. Boy, that is a... That has some. That has a history. Y'all should do a song about fucking thirty. <laughs> Never be finished uh, till the end of time. You know. The song will be called "Exit to the Access Road." That's what the song will be called. Take the access road. Merge back on. Take the access road. Lane goes <laughs> the head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I love this about um, yeah about all the history of San Antonio. That's great. I, I think um, I, I love the idea of having. Um, a Texas album, I guess, with the history of it. And I, I think that would be great. Um, you, you guys said y'all played a couple shows at the end of February, um, you know, right before all of this hit, you know, right? Basically, right before all tours and shows started to get canceled. South by gets canceled, I think, within a week or two of that, I'm assuming. Um, did y'all have, I'm assuming y'all had a bunch of other shows lined up and all this other stuff, right? Or yeah we played our our last two shows of the year we played were in um, dallas and houston with the steel drivers it was february 27th and 8th um, we flew into austin played the shows flew out and yeah then um I, I was telling you we came home and a day later nashville got hit by a major tornado and then basically the pandemic began so um and south south by we've played a handful of times i think you know there was a stretch from like 2014 to 18 we were out there playing and we weren't planning on playing this year um but it was yeah we had some of probably our favorite shows ever with the steel drivers kessler theater and houston heights um just super great shows incredible audience so it was a great way i mean little did we know i guess if we could pick here these are going to be your last shows for a while we couldn't have asked for them i know we went out with a bang for sure yeah, they were great shows at least something <laughs> that's good okay well that's i mean so what's the is it too hard to start planning anything like that now uh well they keep you know shows keep getting pushed back and back and back i think initially the industry thought well you can push them to june or july and it'll be fine then those got pushed yeah. to october november now they're getting pushed to the spring and some of the summer of next year there are some outdoor shows happening and i think in texas there's some more shows maybe that are happening than here right now but we have a show in atlanta that's an outdoor socially distanced smaller venue happening in september that we hope we'll be able to do but i think it's going to be those small kind of outdoor ones for a little bit um, but as far as the regular touring and theaters, and I think that that may be a bit um, in the, the distance, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Gosh, it's like hard to plan anything right now. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's 100 percent. And what's pointing is just I know that taking away the live performances from musicians and singers like has to be just just so detrimental to like who you guys are as people you know and that energy that y'all feed off of and just the financial aspects of it as well just what that brings in and i just i'm just it just saddens me honestly to 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 see all this happening how are y'all doing with like live show y'all trying you know live streaming connecting with fans that way that sort of thing or done a little bit of live streaming i feel like for a minute it got really really overly saturated and so many people were doing it and it's like do you want to watch a live stream with john mayer or granville automatic and it's really hard <laughs> to sell yourself when you're up against that That's so i feel like um we kind of made a, a joint decision to just hold off until it kind of 
died down a little bit and we maybe had more of an opportunity to build a fan base rather than just play a superfluous show. <laughs> and it, it's so weird because music already has this weird problem of people expecting it to be free. Um, and suddenly, and again, this is something people could debate, but for me, I started to see all these big artists doing things for free and that's wonderful. And this is a terribly di difficult time in America and the world. But it has turned into now, now that's sort of expected for free. And I mean, it's, it's so complicated to think about the people who are out of work, even on the big level from the truck drivers to the stagehands to the guitar tech. So it's, yeah, so we just kind of decided one, it's really hard to connect with people that way. The sound is always really bad unless you've really got the pro set up. Uh, it's, it's awkward. And for, for a little while, you know, Vanessa and I don't live in the same house. So we were having to make a decision. Okay, who have you seen? What have you done? Are we comfortable with you singing six feet from me with, you know, so I think it, it is complicated if there's more than one person. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it also, if you, like you're saying, if you're used to that feedback from the audience, you're used to the travel, you're used to the experience, you're used to that, and you've made sacrifices for your career that way. It's weird. You're like, what role does music and the arts have when, when everyone's health is at risk? It's, yeah, we're mm -hmm. all, we're all me perfectly mentally stable right now, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, it does put priorities, you know, in place. Um, but I will say this, you know, and I'm not a musician or anything, you know, I'm, but I will say that I think music is very important during a time like this for people, because I think music does a lot for people, you know, to be honest with you, it gets them through tough times. I mean, just think about just through your life. If we were talking about earlier, right? If you have a breakup, well, if you're not a musician songwriter, you're not writing an album about it. You're going to buy the album from the artist you like to get you through that breakup or whatever. I mean, that was definitely the case back when I used to date. I'm married. I'm old now. It's, you know, it's old days. But, you know, I think any anything, you know, family member passes away. Music gets you through it. This, that music. So I think it's actually crucial. Movies, this maybe that's something different that maybe is not as essential, but I think music is just too, I think it is essential service in a weird way because it, it does bring happiness and peace to people and joy during times like this. And, you know, y'all's music especially could, you know, I'm sure it's doing the same thing for people. So, I, you know, in a weird way, it is important, you know. It is, and it sucks. A lot of uh, local businesses are really suffering right now. A lot of stages are starting to disappear that were, essential to our community um, because people can no longer afford to keep those places open. Um, so it is, it's really sad what's happening and it's, and it's affecting music industry in more ways than people can even see from an outside perspective. So. Yeah. yeah and it is, I, I, I agree. It's also, I will say, and this is strange. I think I've seen a lot of artists debate on social media when you're writing songs, it often feels so self-centered. Um, even when you're writing about history, it takes some of that away. You feel like maybe there's a purpose to it. But again, when you feel like writing is a, is almost a selfish art at times, and though it is nice to hear that it does affect people in a positive way and give them, you know, courage to go forward and feel more related to connected. It is a weird, like, do I want to sit here and write a song while people are dying? It, it is a very odd, but you know, we have on our song list, uh, a, story, a, a title called Fairmont. I don't know if you remember this, Vanessa, but when mm -hmm. the, San, the San Francisco earthquake happened, one of the only buildings that survived was the Fairmont Hotel. 
And a guy staying there was like the most famous opera singer in the world. And so he spent the weeks after that earthquake walking around the destructed city singing to people. And he was a big part of how San Francisco got through that terrible earthquake. So we haven't written that song yet, but it just reminds me how people do look toward musicians. But as the musician, it's difficult to not feel a little selfish thinking about you know, my music career in the middle of all this. So. No, I totally understand that. And, and that just because you're a good person, right? And you have a good heart and you think about these things, you know, and, and that's and that's OK. And I think that's great, you know, but on the flip side, just, you know, you're a fan of music as well, you yeah. know, so just think about how you other people's music, you know, it, it works the same same sort of way you know inspired or whatever so uh it inspires people to give some hope um i mean it does all kinds of things you know i mean there's definitely far more people that listen to music that have no idea how music is made or sang or anything or have no musical than there are people who know about it right who make it so it, music is really for people who don't know anything about it in a lot of ways you know so um, yeah, now, especially it definitely gets, you know, literally the toughest times we've ever, I mean, in my lifetime, for sure, that, that we've ever, uh, been through, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, my parents have never even been through anything like this. So it's That's not, pretty, and it's, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, my, I'm my parents. through it by eating. It's food therapy <laughs> all the way for me. I've gained like 20 freaking pounds. <laughs> Quarantine 15, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I'm trying all the new recipes. I'm redecorating my house. I've had so much time for activities. Activities. <laughs> I love, activities. I love it. <laughs> activities and food. I love basically. What kind of food? Yeah. Like what kind of, what, what are we talking here? What kind of food are we getting? Well, I switched uh, to try to try recently. I switched to trying to be a vegan. To be a vegan. I've done pretty well with the meat. Meat is like, whatever. I don't, I don't want to eat that cow, but like <laughs> cheese is a whole other thing entirely. Let me correct you for a second. Anytime in particular, we're in Texas. What do I hear from you? What? Can we, can, can we get some meat somewhere can we get some meat it granted no, the, yeah. granted recently less but normally we, we've got to find some meat somewhere i'm what the kids are calling a flexitarian is what people are calling it now and it's like you know i'm gonna stay away from the things that i'm trying not to eat unless absolutely necessary emergency button all the way you know if i really want to try something i'm not going to like deprive my body of it or of the five pounds that it's also going to gift me with um so i'm just going to eat it anyways i've been trying a lot of vegan recipes um trying to like figure out a cheese that maybe will work for me that is not actually a cheese so far i've had no luck um but you know i find that the cashew based Vegan cheeses are probably the best avenue of vegan cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah. That, um, you know, you could be vegetarian, still eat. Yeah. That I seems mean, more logical I for you. I not eat the dairy, but it's, and I try not to. Like, I, I you know, this is a delicious oat milk latte, but I think uh, if I could avoid the dairy altogether, my life would probably be 
um, a lot better sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> whatever's right for you, right? Like whatever works. Um, yeah. To be honest exactly. with you, most people eat vegan a lot of times during the week, um, or vegetarian at least. It's not like people eat a steak for every meal, every, you know, all week long, every day, right? Like, so most people have a balanced, a more balanced diet than they think, than they think. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, may maybe that came out wrong, not a balanced diet. I wouldn't say that, but eat, eat you know, less meat than they think they do, you know? Exactly. Right. Like when I was a kid, I was like a big deal to get a good, nice steak, like for dinner or something. It wasn't like, you know, it was sort of it's not like, again, it's not like eating meat all the time or all these things. Meat on the weekends. Yeah. It was kind of like, yeah, pretty much. That's all you need. It's kind of what it was like Friday, Saturday was like, oh, we're getting some meat. Like, oh, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> you know, get neighbors in, ask Jimmy if he wants to come over. Uh, so, yeah, that's. <laughs> Well, that's good uh, that you're trying different stuff. Um, Elizabeth, are you into any sort of particular way of eating? Or are you just, because I'm a, I just eat. eat what I make. Yeah. I do eat what, I am not a cook. I have never been. I think that all the women in my family, like I can remember going to see my grandmother's house, uh, now on my mom's side, and we'd roll in there when she was like 80 years old and there was a box of total in the house and that was it. Like she just didn't cook. Now the other side, the Elkin side was like the big Southern breakfast, 12 meats and 16 biscuits and every kind of egg like every day. And then you clear the table and then lunch starts. Uh, so I don't cook, it's terrible. I, you know, I can like put something in the microwave, but my problem is sugar. I just have to watch that. I really, you know, I would eat cakes and cookies for breakfast. Yeah. Um, but no, I, you know, I, I am probably, weirdly, Mexican is probably my favorite type of food, which is handy. Yeah. Being, being in a band with a Mexican is helpful. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more now since, again, quarantine, yeah. everyone is you're trying to stay healthy. I'm trying to do the, like you said, actually meat only a couple times a week, usually chicken. Got to get a great burger once in a while, which is probably what I miss the most because I haven't gone and gotten a great burger anywhere. You're whatever. If you stopped eating meat, you really wouldn't miss it. I don't really miss it anymore. No, I, I might eat it a couple times a week. And it's usually like, you know, chicken and something. But um, and steak, I eat once a year, maybe. Mm -hmm. not, a, not a big steak person. And often it's on the road because we do try when we're on the road because we both are kind of just into trying new restaurants and new places. We try to find great coffee shops on the road and also just great local food places anywhere we go. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just been more trying to, you know, up the fruits and vegetables and be healthy in quarantine, limit the, the alcohol, et cetera. I did make a delicious, um, I went to Asheville um, to pick up a piece of furniture and um, I ended up going to this delicious coffee shop there and they had this coffee made with lemon sugar. Le oh my God, lemon sugar. So I learned how to make lemon sugar. That's been my other new favorite discovery. That's actually a good thing to do in a lot of, is to supplement the, the sugar and, and what you use, like what you use to sweeten things. Mm -hmm. um, it is a is a really good way. Um, you know, as a chef, you learn that each ingredient actually adds, you know, acidity, s sugars, right, sodium, right, all these different proteins or flavors. So a lot of times, what people do is they add spices right on top of 
things that are already in and that's where you get into trouble that's why people go on diets that's why people do all these things because the regular meals they eat if they just balanced them out more you could literally eat anything you want all the time if you just balance it that's all it is it's just a balance for me there's no you know and again i respect anybody's choice of what they eat because it's your body you got to do what you want and everybody's different but my my the thing i preach and definitely on this podcast we, we do talk about food and you know it's just fresh natural balanced you know food you know right that's all it is and just you know sourcing knowing where your food comes from i think is very important um but i don't like to put a label on how i particularly eat like vegan or vegetarian or or a meat eater or this or that like i just i eat you know i just i eat uh sort of what i want what i'm in the mood for but i keep it balanced and look i do have an advantage as a chef and working in the industry for so long and learning all these shortcuts and you know learning all the going through the mistakes you know you gotta you gotta make so many mistakes just like as a songwriter right just think about when you first learned to play guitar and what a difference you know where you're at now or the first song you wrote compared to the the music you write now it's sort of the same way you know you got to make all these mistakes and sort of learn that way and 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 then you can realize okay you know i can really just sort of eat what i want but i can't do it all the time you know i, I can't eat green beans every meal i can't eat steak every meal i can't eat chicken every meal i can't eat you know it's just this balance i don't know i think maybe because i lived in europe for a few years i learned this sort of like mediterranean thing where you just kind of i don't know maybe that sort of stuck in me as well I, i'm not sure but that that seemed to you know work for me and food is so good well it make it makes sense i think your body tells you kind of what you need and what you don't need but i had to I've, I've always had to keep an eye on my weight but i had to lose a lot of weight in my 20s and it really was about not what i ate it was about again moderation spacing things out mixing things up and i think more and more now everyone knows it's about where your food comes from and, yes. and the, the wholeness of the food so yes which doesn't mean you can't just you know dive into a cake once a month and have some pieces of cake but of course of course yeah absolutely <laughs> that thing i ate this morning elkins was one of the best things i've ever put in my mouth was it really good yeah oh my god i'm dying it was a croissant it was an everything croissant and it was a sandwich. So it was like egg and cheese souffle in, in the middle of an everything croissant. This sounds delicious. This It was insane. I haven't eaten yet. I don't eat. <laughs> I don't eat before noon. So I'm, I, I'm, I die honestly, when I talk about food before then it's killing me. Do you do intermittent fasting? You know, I've sort of done it my whole life, but the more I looked into it as I got older, I've really sort of stuck to it. So yeah, I really just eat between like 2 p.m. Really, I would say 2 p.m. And, you know, 9 p.m. That's okay. You know, I did that. I did that for like six months. Weirdly, no effect on my weight, but I only ate from one to eight. Um, but the, the major thing I noticed is because I'm, you know, I'm like you, I'm old. But my eyesight with the reading has gotten bad as I've gotten older. By the third day of fasting or intermittent, just eating those seven hours a day, it was almost perfectly clear. And I don't know, I, I read somewhere on the line that it said, by doing that, you're regulating your blood sugar and high blood sugar causes your, um, your the vessels in your eyes to expand, which can cause the blurriness. Ah. So now I haven't stuck with it. You know, I, I probably eat from like 
11 a.m. to 9 now. But it's weird. There's something to that. Let your body chill. I think that's all it is. Uh, now, look, I'm not perfect on it, right? If I'll, I, like you were talking about earlier, like if, if you know, I'll, I'll still, if I'm somewhere and something happens, you know, somebody's like, hey, you want to meet for breakfast and have a breakfast talk? I'm not going to be like, nope, I don't eat before 2 p.m. So I can't meet you. No, okay, let's do it. I'll meet, I'll, I'll break a rule here that, right? It's not a, uh, I don't live like that, right? Like I just use it for the moment. That's pretty much kind of how I treat alcohol too. I don't drink alone. I don't, uh, I don't anymore, right? You know, it's like, as I got older, I just realized, okay, first of all, my body can't handle the alcohol the next day so let's just take it slow slowly go with it so that's pretty much the same way i treat you know food and whatnot but yeah. you know before the quarantine started i thought i better go to the liquor store because i don't drink at home and i'm you know i drink socially with friends and i went out and i spent like a 100 bucks on some good whiskey and you know some tanqueray and i was ready to go and i have not opened it like i'm just like what am i gonna do sit here and sadly drink by myself i mean no <laughs> But yeah, and Vanessa, you you and I haven't had drinks in a long time, have you? I don't really drink. No, I do smoke a lot of weed. But <laughs> you used to drink. You used to drink, though. <laughs> yeah, but drinking just doesn't agree with me anymore. Yeah. Recre my recreational choice is is always the marijuana's because it just doesn't make me feel crappy, you know. So if I'm gonna do anything, it's gonna be that. I concur. That's that's where my, yeah. That's where my heart lies as well. Yeah. Just better. You know, you don't get a hangover. You still have a great time. Yeah. It's very social. I think that has a bad rep because. Uh-oh, we lost her. What I know. You're back. Yeah. Sorry. I don't think people think it's as social as it, as it really is. And I expect they're just going to like fall asleep, but it's not, it's not like that. I mean, all you're such those naysayers, Elkins. Awesome. It just, it makes me paranoid. I can't do it. It's just, I'm, my body says no. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, look, it's not for everybody, right? I mean, it's just not, it's not. I wish, I wish it were, believe me. I really do. <laughs> Vanessa has tried and I'm just like, it just, I, I start, but I'm also that way, you know, drink four or five. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel the alcohol. I, I'm just a control freak. That's the problem. It's sad. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The, the losing. It's the losing control. Yeah. yeah. yeah she didn't like that. Yeah. I understand. But I am glad that right before quarantine, I, I did drink my way through New Orleans for three days. So I'm thrilled <laughs> that I had that experience. <laughs> I love that. Have you been writing any? I mean, I know you said earlier that you felt bad, like sort of, okay, you know, writing a song right now is just sort of doesn't feel right or whatever. But have you still done it? Have you still written a few? You know, the co-writing the co part, and we do two things. We write for Granville Automatic and for ourselves and our projects, and then we write for country stars. Um, that is almost non-existent right now in Nashville, except some friends will do it via Zoom or a couple people that, you know, quarantine together do it. I have written a little bit. Um, you know, in addition to the Texas album, we, had, we have, you know, got one in the works about New York City. Uh, and the lost buildings in New York, and I With read all of our money that we have. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna when that when that record deal happens. Um, but I, there was this very striking image to me. You know, obviously New York and New Jersey went through a very terrible march in April, and there was um, a story in the New York Times about a guy who was standing on top of the Brooklyn Bridge um, trying to jump right at the end of April, and that that image struck me a lot. So I did sit down and write a song 
um, based on that guy's experience. I mean, I don't know him. I don't even know his name, but you know, that I hope maybe will down the line be considered for the New York album. But, you know, I think we're both sort of piddling around with little ideas. And when we write together, we send each other stuff. It's rare that we sit down and write together. We sort of correct each other or add to or edit or write sections. For yeah, we would kill each other. for general. So yeah, I sent, I sent it to Vanessa. I don't think I've gotten feedback on it yet. So that could mean it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It usually just means I didn't listen and I forgot about it. Oh, thanks. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, flaky AF, you know this. Did you seriously not listen to it? I mean, I probably did or I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. Great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there you go. The, the Granville automatic right. dynamic. Let's, let's. You just have to pin it down and, and make me make me listen to You're it. All right, I'll, re I I'll resend it. it. I probably did. Yeah, it's great. I'm <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's probably probably. It's probably just genius. That's right. You know, but again, it was that chance of you know thinking, and I, I love to do the stream of conscious stuff. And in those moments, he's standing over, you know, looking out over Brooklyn on one side and Lower Manhattan on the right. What is he thinking in that moment? Like I haven't experienced that. But what has he been through? Did he lose someone? Did he lose family? Did he lose a loved one? Is he just you know mentally ill? Is he sad? Is he anxious? And why pick the grandeur of the Brooklyn Bridge? And how did he get up there in the first place? And would you even die if you, you, you've been, I'm sure you've been on the Brooklyn Bridge, but the dynamic of trying to get across all the wires to, I don't know, it's a hard bridge to jump off of. A hundred percent. Are you from that? Are you from that area? You have a bit of a mid-Atlantic accent. I'm curious. Me? No. Or, or Southern California? No, I, I, I lived in Philadelphia for a few years, but. Maybe. No. Huh. Maybe. I, I grew up in Dallas, so. Huh, you got a little bit of that accent. Philadelphia is awesome. I had a great food city there. Yeah. It's a great food city. Really, really good food there. Yes, 100%. I, I, you know, people always talk about Pats and Geno's and going there, but to be honest, there's way better <laughs> cheesesteaks <laughs> than, than those places. And yeah, just a lot of uh, good food. And, and New York City as well. Talk about, sure. um, you know, a great place to get food shit even houston i compare houston to new york city in a lot of ways in the sense of you know there's so much different styles of food in houston i mean anything you want to eat it's, it's, it's there it's in houston man it's like one of the best food cities in the country and it's getting better and better and better um i it's it's gonna be incredible to be honest with you yeah that that's a great city um, to be honest with you, for food. My cousin always, my cousin EJ is always talking about the food in Houston. And I haven't had a lot of experience with the food in Houston, a little, a little bit. But, um, but I would like to go and try to experience it more in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> it is the hottest, it's the hottest. Go to Houston. It's the hottest place on earth. It really God, is. It feels like you're living in a, an armpit. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> you're just weird. in there. I've uh, Houston. I love that. in in August, especially. My guy, it's so hot right now. I'm in Austin. It's fucking. I just look at the weather, right, and I just look at the weekly, you know, coming up, and it's just like, it just says f u f u f u. Exactly. That's literally it. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it'll say like even a hundred, and you look at that, and you think, oh my god, that's that's bad. Okay, but it says no, feels like one hundred and twelve, you know, and that's the truth. You walk outside and just, uh, and Houston's wor worse than Austin because yeah, way worse. 
humidity uh, just disgusting it's, it's humid as all get out i can't trouble yeah it's so humid Ugh. you're right you're 100 right <laughs> when do you guys i guess so it's going to be a while before y'all get back to texas then right i mean it's yeah probably it's yeah it's been it's an odd time too because we're about to release a record and our first book and it it's you know, it's such an odd time to think about releasing music. Um, think about pushing that back or changing that based on this or what? Well, you know, it, it was up to our book publisher. So we didn't, I mean, the record is related to this book, um, which is called The Hidden History of Music Row. And so we wondered if the book publisher would push and they did push back four or five months. Um, but they did make a decision to release, so we're releasing the record with it. Um, but yeah, it's odd not to tour behind it. It is definitely kind of weird. Um, it feels really strange. So yeah, but then, I mean, I think it's just a question of, you know, we, we will when we can. And fortunately, we have so many, so many more albums to come that I think, I think another question was, I think none of us know how long this is going to go on. Um, and if it is a, a long time, I mean, we, we didn't Then why wait? And we're not like, you know, we're not Justin Bieber. People are not clamoring for, you know, oh gosh, when are they going to put out a record? So I think for us, it, 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 we love that we have the book and I think people are going to be interested in reading the book and the, the album ties into that. So yeah, we were, t we were definitely torn on it. It's strange. Um, but I think not knowing how long this will go on, it's almost impossible to just kind of mm -hmm. okay, go, go for it and hope, hope it works out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great too. This book and the CD, and the CD comes out like t two weeks after the. Mm -hmm. Is that right, more or less? Yeah, there's a couple singles coming out leading up to it, and then it's on. Um, the book comes out August 31st, and the record follows on September 11th, so two weeks later. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about that. Just a little bit of the, you know, inspiration behind that, the history of it. It's about Music Row in Nashville, right? Yes. So we put out a record called Radio Hymns which is all lost stories from lost buildings in Nashville. And we put that out a couple years ago and we were approached by a book publisher out of Charleston to write um, with a, a great historian named Brian Allison to write a book called the hidden history of music row. So we would have never thought that our music career would turn into book writing. Um, but we, we kind of called each other and said, you know, can we do this? Can we figure this out? And we did and found some incredible secret stories about music row back from you know, the, the land in the 1750s and 60s where there was this French fur trader who had like six wives. I think I had him up to about six wives now. Uh, all the way through, you know, the Civil War period, um, the last, one of the last government sanctioned hangings happened where BMG Music is right now. Then up into stories about Johnny Cash and William Jennings and Shel Silverstein and to a lot of haunted buildings. So we really feel like we covered the gamut. Um, and then we, we were inspired while doing that, song stories kept coming to us. So we did record a few more songs that were inspired by writing the book. Um, I think they're my favorite thing we've done ever. Um, the title track is probably my favorite Granville song. And ironically, it led to us getting to write a second book, which we will, will be out probably two years from now, hopefully in a, in a better situation for the world. But yeah, it's one of the strange twists and turns that writing about history has led us to. Um, which is exciting. I mean, I think the good thing about this stuff is it's this, the inspiration is unlimited with the stuff from history. And 
right now the way the world is thinking about and interpreting history is fascinating and that's something we've been working on for a while and so it's interesting to talk about how we tell stories and i think music row is is how people tell stories on music row is very tricky so much of it is first person narrative right now and, and me memories of people over the last 60 years and everybody's got a very different a different memory and people are careful about what they say and it's it's been pretty fascinating to to dig into oh that's awesome that's awesome. We're excited. Yeah. What, we had very different processes. <laughs> but that, I'm, a, I'm kind of a procrastinator, so. That makes what, that's what makes good partnerships uh, work, though, you know? Yeah, I believe that for sure. Can't be the same person. That That's not, that doesn't work. Nope. You know, yeah, it's that, I, I think that's what makes it work. Um, I love this idea of this book and CD together and the history. Like, I this is cool. This could be, y'all might be getting in on something that could be really cool, to, you know, to do every album like this and a, have a book accompany. That could be. Oh, oh dream of dreams. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think it is an interesting idea. It's, you know, and there are a handful of folks, like I believe, um, uh, shoot, Ronnie Crowell had a book out and Randy Foster um, as well. But I think, yeah, as we think about this, in particular, the Texas album, as well as um, the New York, the stories from Lost New York, I think it would be great to have, whether that's a personal narrative type book, especially for Texas with Vanessa, or, you know, chapters that really explain these stories more from New York, because, wow, fascinating stories. But some of that is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of it is um, one the budget to get all that out. We're fortunate we have the book yeah. publisher, but I think ideally, I still hold on to the goal. And I know, you know, when I first started music, they were giving out the five million dollar record deals, and my friends in rock bands were getting <laughs> yeah, getting the big deals in Atlanta and stuff. But I still hold out that we'll find some sort of home for this band where we can keep putting out these these concept records, potentially with books that go along with them that it's unlimited. So I, I, I love doing it. It's different. I love getting to talk about it. And, and Vanessa's right. We work very, very differently. And I think some of that dynamic is, is part of what makes it work. Oh. Yes. Agreed. Y'all could do book tour too, right? So you could go do the book tour with and play a song at the book tour. People would love that. Uh, but we would be able to. <laughs> we were supposed, we were supposed to. Yeah. We were supposed to. Like Thanks man. Thanks. <sighs> bringing us down i'm still thinking in the world the old world <laughs> can't believe i just had that brain uh, aneurysm you're right we're in a global pandemic it's weird to think that and say that constantly uh it really it truly is God. yes and it, initially it was going to be a book tour with the accompanying concert that's awesome i see i love that i think that's cool i think that's i, I love hearing uh different you, you called it sort of a concept uh, album or or whatever but it could become a type of album because the way content is now there's really no box to it you know people release music and content and whatever online right just so differently and um i, I think it's ripe for that kind of stuff you know now uh to do it you know i think it's great i think it's cool i agree yeah, yeah. Yeah, even a documentary could go along with it as the same time, like, uh, you know, it's- Hey, we, we try, we, we have this, uh, this, this idea, it has a wonderful name uh, that we've tried to pitch to a few, like Vice and uh, History Channel. It's called, um, it's called History with Boobs. 
and it is um, us out on the road, <laughs> two, two young ladies. Um, we, we did it for our Civil War record. We did a travelogue video series. It and was really fun too. It was fun. And we, what we did is we picked someone to interview at every site. We interviewed park rangers. We interviewed Civil War reenactors. We interviewed people on the street in Atlanta at a shopping center that was the middle of the Battle of Atlanta. And I mean, it, it was both it was both travelogue and, and comedy and history at the same time. So we still, we have a little proposal for that. We keep throwing it out there, hoping someone will sort of pick it up. But there are a few on YouTube where you can, uh, you can see we were in Glorieta, New Mexico and Atlanta and Louisiana and Alabama. And it was pretty interesting, but yeah, Vanessa does the bulk of the interviewing. I provide the, the dry history narrative and, um, you know, kind of drag her around America. So it, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> There's a place for it somewhere. hundred percent. Well, YouTube and I don't know what else is out there, you know, TikToks and everything else that video is just, you know, and doing it personally, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's just what, it's the new way of, of getting content out. And it's so, it's so strange because all of us didn't grow up with this, right? Like all of us did, none of us grew up with this sort of thing. So we've had to get used to it. And I think people our age still even like, well, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know. It's like, and kids are just doing all kinds of crazy stuff with the technology that is just passing us by, to be honest with you. That's what's happening. Uh, right? Yeah, they're way ahead of us. I'm like, TikTok, <laughs> what? I have to dance? No, God. I know. I get so confused about the TikTok stuff. I'm very, yeah, I'm very bitter Generation X over here. I'm just... <laughs> I don't get it. I'm with you. I haven't checked it out. I've, I've never been on the... the the app or the site. I don't even know if it is a site, uh, but I've seen people post the videos on Instagram. Like, I guess you can, I don't know how they're doing it. Share it that way. Yeah. Yeah. They share it. Okay. Yeah. See, I don't even know that they, they share it there and yeah, I see it. So I, I don't know what's happening <laughs> there on TikTok. I just, every time they put a video, it's something weird and music and I just say, okay, that's all that's just like Snapchat. I never got into Snapchat. I, ne I tried, I think, to get on. I couldn't figure it out, and I just gave up instantly. You know, it was like, this is <laughs> so ridiculous. There's so many of them. It's hard to figure out how to stay ahead of the game on all of it, especially as a musician. You're like, wait, I need content here, 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 and here. But I do think YouTube is the answer for something like that. And again, we've got some up there, and I think it's you know a question of dragging a, a camera person with good editing skills uh, around a little bit with us too, which we've done. Fortunately, we had some uh, a great friend Abby Linnea come do that with us for a while. Um, but yeah, it's fun to do that. I mean, I, I I think there's an element of that that really works for us. But you know, the catch is getting back out on the road and being able to talk to people, and and hopefully that happens happens before too long safely. Yes, hopefully soon. I mean, yeah, hopefully that's that's good for everybody. Because like I said, um, you know, the live music venues, the service industry, the musicians, um, you know, the bands, right? The bassist, the drummer that's traveling around playing for everybody. Yeah, they're just all, everybody's suffering. Uh, and it's it's just horrific. Um, that's horrific. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it very much. So, uh, um, what What other projects besides is there anything else coming up like uh, around the new year or anything that you guys have had to postpone or anything like that or has everything just that was before getting pushed back and pushed back just that's it that that's what y'all had going 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's it for right now. I mean, I think we, we're fortunate we do have all these albums that we look forward to recording, which I hope we'll do. Um, but for us, I think the plan was to have been touring this fall. And um, then a lot of next year, honestly, we'll be writing the second book. You know, it does take about six months to research, write the book. So our second book, I think- Or two the, months for me. <laughs> yeah, or the last week for Vanessa when we're on the road. <laughs> Don't, my God. I'm surprised the band lasted through that tour, actually. She seriously waited the last two weeks to start on her part of the book. <laughs> and any time she talked to me in the car, I'd be like, shut up! I'm working right now! <laughs> sort of. absolute panic. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, so, yeah, a lot of that will be, we'll be working on the book. We should be doing that now, but the motivation is strange right now. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll be working on writing the book, which is due, the second book's due next July. And I'm hoping in the spring there'll be some touring, um, some touring that, that returns, because we'd love to get out and play this new record. Um, maybe. Yeah, maybe by <laughs> next spring. I hope. It seems a little bleak at the moment, but maybe there will be You some never time. know. God. Yeah, absolutely true. Well, better safe uh, than sorry. Uh, yeah. You know, but you know, it's funny. Once it's all over and we're all looking back on it, it'll be just like, you'll be glad you took certain precautions. You'll be glad you postponed certain things, you, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You'll, you'll be happy with yourself, you know. Safety first. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that i didn't bring up um you know i want to make sure that we cover anything or everything that that you guys wanted to talk about i mean i feel like we we discussed the book we discussed my my freeganism <laughs> we discussed <laughs> we discussed a great many things i feel like um i feel like that's that's uh, that's everything what about you elkins you feel you feel no, uh, yeah, I think we talked. We talked about food. We talked about. I mean, we talked about the obviously the peril the restaurant industry is in. Which, man, mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, we that's our favorite thing to do on the road. We're foodies. We like to find the cool local places. So we're really rooting for that to you know legislatively to get a little help behind that as well as the independent venues. Um, yeah, other than that, and I think uh, history. Just talking about how we are. I mean, we're we're really living history right now, and in many many ways, and the importance of how we tell those stories. Um, which is what we love doing as songwriters. How, how when you tackle these tough subjects and on our new record we do, you know, we do lots of different perspectives. How you tell those stories, where you get your information, how much you read, who, whose perspective, whose valid perspective versus it. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. So I think we're all being more aware of that right now, which I think is good. But yeah, other than that, we just miss Texas. We miss being out there and it's always great. Yeah. And it was you know, we had two really wonderful shows with incredible crowds in Dallas and Houston. They were so supportive and hopefully we'll get to in 2021, get back out there and get to hang with people and talk to them and, you know, tell them yeah. about the book. I can't wait. I miss touring so much. I know all, I mean, all musicians right now are just, we're, we, we're, kind of, we're all kind of lost without it. It feels really weird to not really be doing music right now. And it gives you, um, it's, it's, it's my sense of identity and, and it's really difficult and, and makes you feel like you don't really have a purpose sometimes when you're not able to do what you love and what you feel like you were put on the earth to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, we will be lifted up soon and, and into a space where we can all thrive and be able to do what we love again, but we'll see. 
Yeah. If stupid people could stop being stupid and wear a mask. <laughs> There's your PSA from <laughs> Vanessa Oliveras. <laughs> I love it. On the MSP. I mean, it's true, man. It's it really is true. Uh, to be honest with you, we we definitely get through it a lot quicker and be able to recover from it quicker if we all came together a little bit more that is the honest truth so you know but you know here's to uh living in america it's awesome this what this what america do you know we we like to be number one even when it's dying not a good reason to be number one this is a fascinating study in in democracy capitalism and a democratic republic it is absolutely fascinating right now so i'm just trying to pay attention and imagine the history books that will be written 10 20 30 40 100 years from now it's amazing a hundred look at pig over there shaking oh you missed it That's oh, funny. Sorry. <laughs> my dog my dog is such a weirdo oh i thought you said a pig i was like what oh her name is pig <laughs> <laughs> I used to know a dog named Bird, so I, you know it happens. Um, Bird, <laughs> cute. Pig, my God, what's wrong with her? Oh, she's just making noise. Hey, Pig, what are you doing? Gee, <laughs> <laughs> just her ears. Maybe she hears my dogs. I don't know. Do my dogs coming through now? She hears something because she's like very perked up over there on the couch. Like something's going on and there's there's nothing going on in this house. Dude, my dog will look up into the corner like in the living room. He'll just start staring out at this. I'm just like, what are you looking at? You better tell ghosts. me. They're looking at ghosts. That's what my wife says that sometimes. I swear. I'm like, stop it. Don't say that. Do you live oh, in a house? What part of Austin do you live in? I live off of uh, South Congress and uh, Ben White, basically. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. I'm at. Uh, in an old Definitely house. Ghosts. It's an older house. Yeah, Definitely ghosts. That's what it is. They say dogs can see them. That, I'm telling you, they do look in weird places and their ears will perk up and they'll just start staring at something. There's, I'm just looking at, what are you looking at? There's nothing there. You're looking at a, a corner. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. They'll, and then they'll head a little bit sometimes. <laughs> Moved. I don't know, man. Dogs are the some weird things, but anyway. yeah, so they probably know more than we do. Uh, I don't know about that. My dog licks his butthole. I I really don't think he knows. So, hey, so do so do party goers in Nashville right now. <laughs> Made the national news. Way to go, Music City. It's so embarrassing. Oh, oh my god. god, it's right at the street from my house too. Yeah. It's thanks. just like, ugh, so embarrassing. Thanks, influencers. Thanks for influencing. <laughs> I know. Influencers under the influence. <laughs> anyway. Got to get that post. So, well, anyway, um, thank you guys so much. Um, again, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I wish you guys, you know, the best, you know, getting this. Wish you guys the best with the, the launch of, you know, the book and, and the singles and, and all the new music and writing the new stuff. I can't wait to get you guys back on. Maybe, yeah. you know, things start to tour and stuff. Maybe get you guys on right before you go on, on tour, see what that's going to be like. 
you know, we'll get you all excited about that. Um, yeah, but really enjoy the conversation. Really enjoy talking to you ladies. Thank you, uh, totally. So. Thank you, and I hope next time we're in Austin, we can uh, we can connect and, and hopefully talk again. Dude, let's get some- Absolutely. Guys, that's what I'll take you guys out to eat at some great Mexican place, right? We'll like all Mexican food. We'll get some meats. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how much of it. It's yeah. in celebration of our hangover. Sure. Eat. There we go. There we Sounds go. like a plan. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, y'all be safe. Uh, and my best to you and uh, your family, guys. All right. All right. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more. We're using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Mm-hmm.